Just look at the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Camo hat and a farmer's tan Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Well, welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. We're awful glad you're with us. On this episode, many farmers are in the thick of their equipment purchases ahead of the 2020 planning season. So this week, we hear from two of the nation's biggest equipment manufacturers, John Deere and Case IH, about some of their latest offerings. We'll also learn about the work of the National Bison Association, and we'll take you to the legendary Ernest Tubb Record Shop for music from Jimmy Bowen. You won't want to miss a moment of it. Let's go. Well, first up this week, with 2020 equipment purchases in full swing, we recently had the chance to catch up with Doug Felter, the factory marketing manager for John Deere Tractors, to hear about the revamped 7 and 8 series tractors and the new 8RX tractor, which is being built as the industry's first fixed-frame four-track tractor. Doug, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Yeah, thanks. Hey, so if you could tell me a bit about some of the changes John Deere's made to the tractor lineup for 2020. Yeah, so it's been a big year for us. We uh, announced new 6M tractors for our livestock and uh, utility segment, uh, new 7-family tractors, and new 8-family tractors. So all of those get a lot of improvements in the cab area around comfort, uh, a lot of ride comfort uh, capabilities. Uh, on the 7s and 8s, we've got new cabs, uh, some new styling uh, in there, new levels of precision ag technology, uh, and even uh, some new capabilities uh, with that new 8RF. X4 track tractor. And we're hearing a lot about the new 8RX tractors. Uh, tell us a bit about how it could help improve a farmer's performance and productivity in the field. Yeah, well, the 4-track the tractor uh, really has a couple of key attributes that we look at with uh, having all of that surface area on the ground. One, it gives you a lot of flotation, uh, which can help you be lighter on the ground, maybe get into tougher field conditions or uh, be able to float a little bit better, be a little bit uh, lighter footprint with it. Uh, but it also has a really good pad area, so it gets really good traction. You're going to see slip probably down in the really low single digits there. So especially with uh, larger implements today and trying to go at higher speeds, uh, the traction of that uh, tractor uh, with about 40% more footprint than a wheel tractor similar to it uh, really can help it both with flotation and with traction and pull. So why did John Deere develop a fixed frame four-track tractor? Yeah, and what we saw was, uh, for some of the reasons that I just noted, right, larger implements trying to work it at uh, faster speeds with ever-closing windows. People are looking for a tractor that can get out there in more adverse conditions and really have high performance. Uh, there are, of course, four-track tractors uh, for several years in the articulated business, uh, but some of those jobs don't require the weight uh, of, a four uh, of a large articulated tractor. The 8RX is going to come in at a little bit lighter overall ballasted weight. And then also the maneuverability. Uh, some people prefer the steerability of a front axle and the command that that has. And so the 8RX being that fixed frame with the front steering axle maneuvers just like a wheel tractor in a row crop version. Uh, it's, so it's very comfortable, very easy to maneuver, uh, and really uh, a joy to ride. 
So earlier you talked about some of the precision ag technologies integrated into these tractors. In specific, what are some of those that really stand out to you? Yeah, so I think some of the big things for me that, that really stand out as far as what do these tractors bring to the table that we didn't have before is we've integrated our Starfire receivers into the cab. They've become just almost commonplace in these uh, field operations. And by integrating that, uh, we take care of some of the calibrations that you don't have to do periodically, so you're going to get a little more accuracy. You're going to pull in the signal a little bit sooner, and you're also going to have some theft prevention and just kind of a little bit easier to use uh, capability. We've also brought uh, five years of JD Link Connect into these tractors, so that keeps it connected to your dealer for, for service, to the rest of your operation, for data flow, and that's all on top of some of the key features we already had with integrated displays, auto track in base. So these tractors are now shipping out of the factory, ready to go and operate uh, with auto track or even higher levels if you order that software from the factory right out of the gate. You put in your, uh, your information uh, and a couple minor things and you're ready to operate with precision right off the factory floor. So it's a precision ag capable tractor right from Waterloo Works. Earlier you talked about the 6M. If you could tell us a bit about that revamped 6M series cab tractor. Yeah, so our 6M series is more in our mid-tractor lineup, going from about 110 to 195 horsepower. Uh, we've updated a lot of that as well. Again, uh, a lot of features in the cab, more in the in the feature capability there. Um, we've uh, uh, added electronic SCVs, which can be a little more nimble to use. We've got a mini command arm that puts uh, some of the transmission controls right there on your armrest for a little bit better accessibility. We put a reverser into the joystick, uh, which is really desirable. The folks running loaders on a lot of those tractors um, and, and added cab suspension and axle suspension as well. And what we heard was a lot of people wanting more premium features in that mid-range tractor. Um, and so we added a lot of those uh, capabilities with that. It's probably important to note, though, for folks that do like mechanical SCVs or some of the more traditional controls, all of that's still available. So if you have a 6M equipped in a way that you like today, we didn't uh, take that away and move everything higher. We, we just really opened up the range of that. Uh, one other thing that's, that's kind of unique is our 6110 our 6120 models. Uh, we have a new slope-down hood design. Uh, so there's a lot more visibility out of that tractor. It has a shorter wheelbase, uh, so it can maneuver better in tight barn lots. Um, and uh, uh, you get about seven feet more forward visibility. So whether you're trying to load a bale or you're trying to see a windrow, a lot better visibility out of those particular tractors uh, with the new design on those. And now we move down to the 7 and 8 series. What are some of the new features that uh, the farmers can be looking for uh, in those models? Yeah, when we talk about the 7 and 8, probably one of the most notable things there as well as the cab, and that's a full uh, ground-up new structure. It's got additional space in that, especially uh, widening the entry path by about 24% to get in there more easily, um, and then improving the headroom of that cab as well. Uh, we've gone to a packaging sort of offering there, so much like automotive where you buy different levels of trim, you can do the same in these tractors now, all the way from our Select to Premium or our new Ultimate, which offers a lot of uh, automotive features there as well. Uh, Touchscreen radios with smartphone integration, a lot of auto automotive style controls, uh, and an all new uh, Ultimate level seat, which actually includes heating and ventilation and even massage for those long days, with a lot of swivel both ways so that you can keep tabs on the operation as well. So uh, we've included a lot of those capabilities in it. We've also got new visibility and that that offers up to two times the LED output with 360 degree coverage uh, to really light up the night and, and keep you operating efficiently in all those conditions. 
So if any of this has piqued anybody's interest, where can they go to check out more? Well, they can check out uh, deer.com for a lot of information, a uh, number of information out there in YouTube and some of the other media channels. And of course, your John Deere dealer is a great source of information for info on these new tractors. So get out there and check them out. And Doug, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. Thanks, Brent. And if red's more your color, we have something this week for you, too. We wanted to bring in product experts from Case IH to discuss some of that company's latest offerings. We start with Christopher Lurson, the Case IH Tillage Marketing Manager. Christopher, welcome into the program. Hey, thank you, Brent. Thanks for stopping by today. What do you got going on that's new here in Tillage as we move into 2020? Yeah, absolutely, Brent. I'm glad you stopped by to ask. That, you know, we're, we're really looking for what our what our customers are, are asking for, and we've, we've, over the last couple of years, been evaluating that. And, you know, one thing that they've been telling us is that we need a tool that can can get into the fields quicker, faster, and get it done, uh, get our get our job done more quickly, but yet make it agronomic and make it multi-use. And that's where the Case IH Speed Tiller High Speed Disc really kind of came from. Uh, look, at, it's a product that is agronomic. Number one, uh, that will create an entire seed bed profile that's worked. Uh, it can manage residue, uh, and then from a productivity standpoint, see really high high speeds uh, that can you know help us get into to those shorter windows, uh, and then also be rugged. It's a very, very rugged, tough tool that can handle rocks, uh, handle muddy, wet conditions. Uh, then from the dual season standpoint, be able to use it in the spring and fall. You can you can utilize and utilize the weight when you need it, and then remove it when you don't, and really dig like a disc and finish like a finisher. So if folks want to know more about them, where can they go check them out? Yeah, so the, the Case IH Speed Tiller we just released here recently. We'll see them in 2020 throughout the uh, the, the countryside and a dealers uh, and and really if you want more information visit caseih.com uh, and also certainly see your dealer and begin uh, asking questions about it and that they will be able to, to to get those answers very soon we'll go check them out and christopher we appreciate you taking the time to join us yeah thank you brent appreciate the time and next up we talk soil compaction with cj parker the crop production product specialist for case ih and cj welcome into fast line fast track thanks brent so we've had uh, in a, a lot of areas a really messy year here and that's caused some uh, some unique issues. One of those being soil compaction. And uh, why would you say is the top of mind for many producers this year? Yeah, Brent, um, compaction is really being uh, top of mind for a lot of uh, a lot of producers this year. Uh, when we look at some of the issues we had last fall um, with the weather that came in and um, and being wet and um, trying to get harvest done, and then uh, then we fast forward and look at spring 2019 and and just the issues of trying to get that crop planted. And um, a lot of it didn't go into ideal conditions at all, um, but it came time to to get it in, so so it went in. And then if we look at uh, a lot of places for this fall um, it just a lot of talking to a lot of producers it just it just seems like the 2019 is uh, just just keeps on going and you, you got to deal with it so uh, the thing the case IH has is the products to be able to deal with it so what are some of the things that uh, producers should know about fall compaction and uh, the best tillage equipment to be able to uh, combat it yeah Brent at, at case IH we really like to uh, to take a shovel out to that field and, and dig a hole and, uh, and run my pocket knife up along the side of that hole to uh, to find where that compaction layer may layer may be and um, and how severe that compaction layer is. That gives us an idea once we find the bottom of that compaction layer um, on how deep we need to set our tools. Uh, we like to run an inch to an inch and a half below that compaction layer. Um, if we look at a return on investment of that tillage pass, 
because uh, it takes time and, and it takes fuel in order to get that done. And um, just an inch to an inch and a half below that was the, is the best way to uh, to make that happen. So and if uh, folks want to uh, know more about some of the products that you offer, caseih.com? Um, yes, you can go to caseIH.com or, um, or visit your local uh, CaseIH dealer. Uh, you know, one of the main tools we have to uh, combat compaction would be our Kahlo Tiger line, whether it's the um, the leading 875 or also the Kahlo Tiger 530 or even the 527B, depending on uh, what kind of horsepower that customer has to, uh, to pull a tool. But um, we also have our Kahlo Till, which would be kind of our, um, would be our inline ripper, which would, um, you know, depending on how the customer wants that soil surface to look like, what he wants to do with his residue, um, there's a variety of tools that we have to uh, to offer to, to help with that fall compaction issue. So make sure you go check them out, caseih.com, or get to your Case IH dealer. They'd be glad to sit down and talk compaction with you and uh, be, be glad to help you so, sort out some of the unique issues to your farm. And CJ, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Yep, thanks a lot, Brent. Finally, we bring in Denny Stroh, the Livestock Marketing Manager with Case IH, to talk about new developments within the legendary Farmall Tractor line. Denny, you've got a lot of really interesting things going on with the Farmall Tractors line. We do. Uh, Brent, thanks for asking. Case IH is really excited. Uh, you know, we've been selling Farmall Tractors for a number of years, actually dating back all the way to 1923. But uh, recently, we've really been adding to the family. Um, we currently offer Farmall Tractors in, in three different series, Farmall A series, Farmall C series and Farmall U series. Farmall A series is more of just a basic, simple um, economy level tractor, if you will. C series, more of a deluxe level tractor, a little bit more use of electronics with the C series, nicer transmissions, things like that. U series, we call that the ultimate Farmall experience. So all the bells and whistles, uh, uh, just a very nice, super comfortable tractor to operate. Kind of gets back to how many hours a day is an operator going to be spending in the tractor um, and what, what comfort level they want to be in. All of our from all tractors, we kind of focus on three items. Number one, weight and durability. The iron in our tractor is in the right place. It's in the drive line of the tractor, so a very robust offering from all tractors. Um, operator comfort level, whether it's an open station tractor or a cab tractor, controls are ergonomically laid out, so very easy to operate for all of the farm all tractors, a very comfortable tractor to operate. And then lastly, our emissions solution is very unique for farm all tractors. We do not use a diesel particulate filter. No DPF means no regeneration, no downtime for our operators. So uh, a significant difference with our farm all offering there. Everybody these days wants to know about the technology behind it all. What about the technology behind these tractors? You know, utility tractors are a little bit um, maybe different than, than the larger tractors. Technology is key on a lot of our combines and, and larger tractors. Utility tractors, there's such a diverse uh, customer base out there. Um, sometimes price point is, is the primary determination. So that's where we come in with the A-series tractors. Not a lot of bells and whistles, just a simple, nicely price-pointed tractor um, to meet those lower budgets, um, which is great. You know, they may want a nice new tractor with the warranty to back that up, but they don't need all the bells and whistles. However, we do. We can move them up to a C-series if, if they desire a few more 
um, creature comforts, if you will, and of course that U series. So a, a diverse offering of tractors to meet any customer's needs. And Denny, if, if folks want to know more about these tractors and check them out, uh, where should they go? Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, of course, CaseIH.com is a primary source of information. Our dealer network is the primary source at a local level. So we encourage anybody interested in Farmall tractors to go see their local Case IH dealer. Ask them what's new with Farmall tractors. Well, we appreciate that. And Danny, we sure appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you. And now we take you to the legendary Ernest Tub Record Shop in Nashville for the music of country and bluegrass star Jimmy Bowen, a former member of the Country Gentleman, and David Parmley, Scott Vestal, and Continental Divide, as well as his own band Santa Fe. I'm excited to bring you this conversation and some of his great music. Back on Fast Line, Fast Track from the Ernest Tub Record Shop 417 Broadway in Nashville, Tennessee. And now it's a real honor for me to bring in Jimmy Bowen. And Jimmy has uh, had a long and storied career in bluegrass music. Uh, spent time with uh, Charlie Waller and the Country Gentleman and more than four years with David Parmley and Continental Divide. Um, it was the IBMA Song of the Year with uh, Waltz with the Angels with Charlie Waller and the Country Gentleman. Also, IBMA Album of the Year for Souvenirs with Charlie Waller and the Country Gentleman. And the IBMA Emerging Artist of the Year with David Parmley and Continental Divide. And now he's out on his own doing his own thing. He's uh, uh, done a, uh, a web show and now he's getting ready to uh, put together his own TV show uh, dealing with bluegrass music and uh, Jimmy welcome into the program well thank you man appreciate you having me and uh, I should also mention he's got a, a brand new single out a new project Blood Red Moon tell us about it yeah Blood Red Moon I'm working with I've got the pleasure of working with um, Sonny LaMare who's a bass player and singer-songwriter with Exile great uh-huh. band Exile and uh Sonny's great to work with in studio, and, and uh, what a fabulous writer. And so he brought some things to the pre-production meeting, some songs, and we listened to them. And, and uh, he, he, Blood Red Moon came into play, and I really liked the, the, I liked the, the sound of it. I liked the, um, the hauntingness of the song. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a uh, pretty much a, a gothic love affair gone bad. Uh-huh. And, and it's, 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 I like it. It's kind of cool. It's different for me as a bluegrass artist because now I'm establishing myself as a Americana artist instead of the bluegrass world. Mm-hmm. And um, so this song is really like a 360-degree turn on anything I've ever recorded before. And we, we thank God for that Americana genre because it's uh, taking in all the uh, cast-offs that have gotten <laughs> lost along the way here from the uh, country music genre. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what I like about it. People ask me, they say, well, what is Americana? And I'm like, well, I really can't say the definition, but to me, it's you're not country, you're not bluegrass, you're not rock, you're not jazz, you're not this, but you just... you play music and it's there yeah <laughs> so there you go you're americana yeah, so to speak. I like that. You, you, you can't define it but you know it when you hear it <laughs> exactly exactly so but um yeah the album is uh, it's a new single and we're it's doing real well for us and uh, a lot of people are liking it and especially with me being coming from the background that i've come from they they really like it because it's such a change uh-huh. it's a different change uh-huh. so, so uh we're, we're catching you right on the heels of a very special honor that you received you were recently inducted into the old time country music hall of fame tell us about that yeah they um the organization called me from out in um iowa and their festival that they have their ceremonies they have is out in, uh, in fremont nebraska 
And um, they had contacted me um, back first first part of the year and wanted to induct me into their Hall of Fame with some of the uh, the music things that I have done in the past and the things that I'm doing musically now. And uh, it was a great honor. And it was myself and uh, Jeannie Seeley and Jeannie C. Riley and were inducted. And a uh, fiddle player by the name of Randall Franks, a good friend of mine, he was on Heat of the Night with Carol O'Connor. And, mm. and uh, we all got inducted into their Hall of Fame. And a lot of nice people. And it's really it's really an honor for me because of that there's an organization that, that appreciates and, and likes what I've done musically and, and where I'm headed musically. And that's, that's, it, it means a lot when people do that. Nice. You know? so, so take us back. Tell, tell us uh, how you got started in music. Well, I got started actually when I was five years old. My father bought me a, a $5 guitar from a yard sale uh-huh. and brought it home, and I started playing on it. And, and I'm self-taught, just listening to records. And, and uh, instead of going out and playing with your friends in the neighborhood, I'd sit in front of a stereo and, and play with different albums and try to learn chords and this, that, and the other. And uh, actually, after it got started, I... I Got good enough to get with the first band, and I started playing uh, a North Carolina bar um, when I was nine. And um, they, uh, my father told me, so I'll let you do it as long as you keep your grades up. Uh-huh. And so I said, okay, I'll keep my grades up. So we played on, we played on um, Tuesday nights and Thursday nights at this club, and we played from nine to two in the morning. And mind you, I'm nine years old, and uh, that was back when segregation was going on. So I was being bused across town to school and this, that, and the other. So luckily, on, on the days that when I was working the club, um, as a nine-year-old, I'd have to catch the bus about 6, 6.15 in the morning. And at least it was about an hour, hour and a half ride across town, so I could get at least get a nap on the bu- on the school bus going to school. <laughs> and uh, But it was really a cool club. It was... Um, the chicken wire, you know, oh, and, and the drunks that throw beer bottles. And it was just, for, for a nine-year-old, it was really exciting, you know, <laughs> to play this thing. And what was really neat, North Carolina, you, you had to be taken, you could work on stage, but you had to be taken out of the club when the, when you were breaking, you could just hang around in a bar, <laughs> and uh, so they would they would take me out and, and I'd come back in. But anyway, the the guy would pay me um, he pay me ten dollars a night to work right. this club, and I was the richest fourth grader at that time. <laughs> I was making twenty dollars a week working this club, and I was like, man, and that's what kind of did it for me. I'm like, you know, man, I can make a living doing this. This yeah. is cool, and that's what kind of just started it, um, working that club. And then as I got older. Had another band with teenage, like everybody else, you get these teenage bands together and do that. And then um, I went to a military college, and I had a band. I had a band there, and sometimes we'd go AWOL and do some shows on the weekends down in Charleston. But mm-hmm. that's kind of how it all got started with a $5 guitar from a yard sale. Now, if you can't ever work the line, uh, started working a club in Carolina when I was nine <laughs> into a song, you may have missed your calling. You've got to do I, that. I know. i got to do that. You we need it. to sit down. I need to give that hook to Sonny and see what he can come up with. Man. That's excellent. So where in North Carolina was home for you? I'm originally from Charlotte, North okay. Carolina. Gotcha. And um, there was a lot of music going on. That was back when the Arthur Smith days, the Doolin Banjo days, and he had a television show. And, and there was a lot of, of country music in in Charlotte there for a while. Right. And uh, a lot of it back then, we're talking about probably the late 60s, um, was getting like Branson ended up. They were trying to make Charlotte another... Uh, music city type deal, but um, it kind of never worked out. And it, but um, there was a lot of music back then. Uh-huh. 
I don't, I don't think there's too much there. You know, um, Randy Travis came there, you know, and w- was working the country underground mm-hmm. there and singing there. And uh, so there's a few that get started out of Charlotte and move on. So what dragged you to Nashville? Well, what drug me to Nashville was pretty much actually what got me here was I had a um, I had an audition back when uh, uh, Lou Reed, buddy of mine, Lou Reed quit Skaggs. Back when Ricky Skaggs was big and in, in more into the country thing than he is now. Mm-hmm. And um, Skaggs was looking for a um, utility man, someone to sing tenor and play banjo and mandolin and guitar on parts and this, that, and the other. So I met with the great Carl Jackson. He's a great writer here in town. And, and Carl was actually filling in for Skaggs at that time when Lou left, because Lou left and went with uh, Vince Gill. Mm-hmm. And um, so I came here just basically for auditions and got an apartment and Ended up not getting the job and just stayed. So <laughs> that's what got me here, really. And how did you get uh, hooked up with the first band that took you out on the road? Well, actually, the first band that took me out on the road was the Country Gentleman, um, mm-hmm. as far as on the professional level. Mm-hmm. Um, what I had done was, in the bluegrass world, it's, it's real who you know, mm-hmm. as far as getting in with bands. And so um, with me being a high lead singer, tenor singer, Bluegrass bands are always looking for a tenor singer somewhere along the line. But I always got tired of seeing the buddy-buddy the thing happening because I didn't know anybody. So I would pick several bands that, that I really liked, and, and I would get their phone numbers, and I would basically just call them once a month. And the country gentleman there, based out of Washington, D.C., and Skaggs was with them when he was playing fiddle back when he was younger after he left Ralph Stanley. And Jerry Douglas played with them. They've started a lot of artists and in that in that genre, and uh, so I basically would just call them once a month. Say, hey, you need anybody? Need anybody? Need anybody? And after after about three or four years of that, then I did call that one time, and the country gentleman said, "Yeah, we we need a bass player and a vocalist." Mm-hmm. I said, "Okay." So I started. That's what kind of started it there. And they took me a lot of places. That that band was really they were really connected in the Washington D.C. area. Um, and we got to play for Bush Jr. Bush Senior at the White House, and they were real politically um, connected in Washington. And um, so they were the first band that kind of took me to events like that, Canada, Europe, mm-hmm. and then it kind of propelled from there. Mm-hmm. And then when I got with the um, with David. And we started that band, and that band kind of evolved around being that we wanted to kind of do our own thing. You know, when you go with a band, you got to kind of do what they do or who the leader is and that kind of thing. So we just kind of started that band, and we, we had the pleasure of traveling all over Canada and, and, uh, and Europe and, and had a good time, you know. So that, that's kind of where it all got started, you know, there, because I wanted to— I really wanted to get my education, get that done. And the country gentlemen actually were going to hire me before, but I would have had to quit college to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I wanted to get, I wanted to go ahead and get my degree, get it over with, get it done, get it under my belt, and then then venture out. Uh-huh. So that's what I kind of did. When did you find out that you had the chops to sing, and where did that come from? Well, you know, I come from a musical family. My family all played something and, and sang, and and with me, I always, if I ever got with a group, I always wanted to either be the tenor singer or the bass singer. I always thought those were the cool, two coolest parts. And um, so when I was growing up and, and learning how to how the harmony parts work and the tenor lines and trying to develop and and I would just rehearse with records and and learn the parts and 
and it just kind of came natural to, to do high. And that, that's what's so weird with a lot of people when you when they hear our shows because they look at me and then they hear how I sing and it just doesn't fit. Uh-huh. They don't picture that I can sing high like I do versus the way I look. So, you know, I look like I just fell off a Harley bike gang, so, you know, which is cool. So. But uh, I learned uh, from you today you have a degree in accounting. Yes, I have a degree in accounting, and I'm monitored in law. So wow. I, I know enough about law to be dangerous, uh-huh. but I, I do I do have that degree. And I did that on the business side of it to just understand, uh-huh. you know, what's going on. There's a lot of people that I know that—, that that have businesses. I've, I've, I've even got people that I know now that have businesses that they know they know what to do in their business, but they don't know how their business works. Yeah. And and unfortunately, you know, music's great and I love it, but it's it's still a business, and yeah. you still have, kind of have to watch what goes in, what goes out, and budgets. And you know, there's always that thing on Facebook where you see, you know, where musicians will, you know, take a $2,500 instrument and getting a $500 car to go make 50 bucks to spend 75 to get home, you yeah, know, that kind of yeah. thing, you know. And and I've always believed, and it, it may be somewhat comical, but, you know, it's I've always believed that you could do well or, or, or play music and have fun doing it without having to be financially destitute. Yeah. I just didn't, I just didn't want to live that way. It seemed like much fun. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's just... Um, it's going well, and and I like. It. I think it's hurt me a lot, you right. know, because a lot of people don't want, you know, if they, a lot of. I've seen that with, be honest with you, with with record companies, mm-hmm. they they want you to do, you know, and I, I don't. My first record I did is a distribution deal, mm-hmm. and um and I did it basically where I just I wanted to know where my inventory was and I wanted to know where it was going on and. And of course, everything now I do. So yeah. it didn't work yeah, the out. The establishment didn't like that. The too establishment much, didn't it? like that too much. So, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah, that's fine. You know, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of today. You know, there's so many ways to get it done. Well, circumventing that's the, that. System. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the way social media has gone, the internet, and I tell everybody all the time, it's this. You know, I'm. I'd love to just live on the beach somewhere. As long as I got Wi-Fi, I can do what I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Not have to live where it's cold. Just stay on the beach. Yeah. Well, I'll come be your neighbor. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the state of bluegrass today? Bluegrass to me, I think is, is and, just, and this is just solely my opinion. I've spent 25 years in, in that genre of music, and I love it. Um, I just feel sometimes that it's it, it, it won't expand because... In, in my feeling, and I really don't want to insult any bluegrass fans that I may still have, but a lot of them they don't like change, mm-hmm. and and if you're not, if you don't do a certain style of music, then it's not accepted. And to me, to me, music's about the song. I have so many writers who come and say, "Man, I've got this great bluegrass song for you." I'm like, I don't want a bluegrass song. I want a song. Yeah. I want a good lyrically song. I want something that's going to tell something. It's going to tell a story. It's going to make somebody cry, laugh, remember, reminisce, whatever they want to do with that song that makes them feel something. I will do it my way. If I hear it needs a banjo, I'll put a banjo in it. If I need Johnny Cash's thing with the trumpets, if I hear a trumpet in it, then I'll put a trumpet in it. Yeah. It does not necessarily be it. But I think, to me, in, in my opinion, I think it, it, it was... They say it's growing, and I know the young people are getting involved with it, but business-wise, it's hard. Uh-huh. It's hard. There's a lot of them that, have, that are out there that have got bluegrass roots, 
a lot of, there's a couple of country artists that got country roots or bluegrass roots went to country or mm-hmm. went back to bluegrass they've gone back to country yeah because the opportunities are better you sure. know the shows you can get more shows and and that type of thing um, I still love the music and we still can perform it mm-hmm. I mean my band consists of, of about eight nine people and there's a there's a nucleus of five bluegrass members and that that eight or six eight piece whatever I decide to take on the road sure. they're out there that we could do a bluegrass and basically the way I try to arrange my music is to where we can do it either way we could do it acoustically mm-hmm. or I can get it up there and plug in, everybody plugs in and we can get as loud as you want us to get yeah you yeah. know so but I, I think it's still a growing music I, I just wish it would expand some of its boundaries and a lot of the festivals now are going that way to where it's, there are more Americana festivals sure. you know there's a big one Merle Fest in, yeah. in, in North Carolina that's like that and mm-hmm. you'll see anywhere from bluegrass to to um the Elvis, the Elvis Costellos of the world and, and the nitty-gritty dirt bands, contemporary gospel, southern gospel. It's all genres of music, and that's where all, some of the festivals are going mm-hmm. now, so you can kind of hear that variety of music. I think it's a smart thing myself. Sure. So you what's know? on the horizon for Jimmy Bone in 2020? 2020. 2020 is going to be really exciting. We're getting ready to release an, an, another new single, and we um looking at the dates to be picked up, and... And we're 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 dabbling with the um, with the television show. We're uh, um, pretty much with the holidays coming up. We've uh, got my team, and then pretty much we've said basically we're just going to wait till after the first of the year, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll start filming that. And um, which I'm really excited about that. It's going to be an, it's going to be a music variety show, mm-hmm. and I want it to be a variety show. Um, we will film it here in Nashville, and uh, but it will be. Where one night it, it, it could be a, a blues band, it could be a country band, it could be a bluegrass band, it could be a reggae band. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's gonna have singer songwriters, uh, and, and and I want it to be a variety. I want it to be a variety show to where people won't expect it's the same old show mm-hmm. every night. So we're we're gearing up for that for 2020, doing a lot down in Texas, and so. It's going to be a busy year. So if people want to follow any of these projects, where can they go to check those out? They can go to my website. I've got a website, jimmybowen.com. And then, of course, there's Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we've got the Spotify. And, and we've got pretty much, as we were discussing earlier, if you Google me, you'll be able to find me. I'm working my way up the Google chart, uh-huh. there, so to speak. But, yeah, the website and with the Facebook. We've got a Facebook show. Um, Jimmy Bowen uh, show page, and we've got a Jimmy Bowen fan page, okay. and uh, but I've got everything. We've got everything there, and what's on one's on the other. So if they just catch one page, they see what we've got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I was remiss to bring that up earlier. Now there was another legendary Jimmy Bowen in this town uh, uh, that did quite a bit uh, over the years, and I'm, I would imagine uh, you, you've had your share of uh, mix-ups with that over the years. Yeah, when I first came to town, that was back when. Uh, that was back when Jim Ed Brown had the You Can Be a Star show uh-huh. on TNN. And, and, and any time the CMAs would, were going on, and artists like Merle Haggard and Willie and Whalen, because he produced all those guys, and they would thank Jimmy Bowen for this and Jimmy Bowen for that. And my phone would ring off the hook, <laughs> ring off the hook, and it was crazy. And when people would find out and they'd, they'd 
they'd slide me their uh, a check because they want me to make them a star. And <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it. And, and when I first moved to Nashville, we could I could talk to anybody and I could go anywhere I wanted to. And 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 it was fun. It, it, it was fun there for a while. Um, I did have the pleasure. I, I, I do have a story. I don't I don't tell a lot about it, but I did have a story. I had gotten in the mail through a, a year or so a bunch of promo packages and everything made out to Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. And so I was riding down downtown one one day, and this was when he was over at Capitol Records, and and I thought, well, what the hey? I don't have anything to lose. All I have to do is gain. So I had my demo, and I had a, a box full of all the stuff, all these promo kits. And so I went into Capitol Records, and uh, I said, I'm I want to see Dad. And the, the receptionist was an older lady, and she looked. She had her little rim glasses, and she looked over, and she goes. She goes, son, it's not nice, nice to lie like that. And I said, no, I'm here. And I pulled out my license. I'm a junior. I'm in here. Everything just fell into place, you know. And so he came out, wanted to know what the problem was up at the front. And, and I kind of escorted him back to his office like I knew where I was going and had all these, had all these promo packages. And I said, well, I'm here. I said, I want to de- deal. I want you to hear my stuff. I want to deal with Capitol Records. And he said, I don't even know who you are. I said, well, I'm Jimmy Bowen. And I had to show him my license. And anyway, I said, well, here's my demo. He said, I'm not listening to that. I don't have time for that. And I just oh, I said, well, here's all these. Kids. I said, there's a bunch of people here who want you to be, want you to make them a star. I said, I'm going to leave all this stuff with you. And that way you can maybe go through theirs. And, and I left. But it was, it was kind of a neat meeting. It really was, <laughs> you know. And I actually saw him one other time because I know Christian, his son. Uh-huh. And um, I had lunch with Christian and, and Jimmy showed up. Uh-huh. And we talked about that. And he said, he said, son, you had some guts just walking into my office like that. And is that and the other? He said, I've shot less people for that, you know. And, but it was really fun, you know. But, yeah, I get, I get um, it's not so much now, but back 20 years ago, it was all the time. Yeah. All the time. I and mean, there's some people still on Music Road still remember him. Yeah. And, uh, but um, I don't get it as bad as I used to. But, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It, my phone would ring off the hook. Want me to make him a star, you know? So he had fun. Well, this Jimmy Bowen's doing great for himself, so don't worry about him. He's doing great. Make sure you go check out jimmybowen.com. Make sure you go check out all his social medias. And, uh, Jimmy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. And we're going to roll a little bit of his new music now. This is Jimmy Bowen. Well, Jimmy Bowen here. We're going to do a song here that I recorded actually on a bluegrass album. And also did a country Americana rendition of it. Old Gordon Lightfoot tune that I've always enjoyed. Hope you enjoy it. In the early morning rain With a dollar in my hand With an aching in my heart And my pockets full of sand I've long away from home Miss my loved one's soul In the early morning rain With no place to go Out on runway number nine Big 707 said to go
she goes, my friend. She's rolling now at last. This old airport's got me down. It's no earthly good to me. I'm stuck here on the ground. Cold and drunk as I can be. You can't catch a big jet plane. the new single. Let's see that. Let's see if we can do that one. Let's see if we can do it. Unrehearsed. It's brand new. She made no promises the day she left. She told her mama that she needed some rest. A little time, a little break in the action. She needed to heal a heart that had been fractured by a whole bunch of things that had to do with me. Baby single down in San Antonio. I'm drinking double staring at the phone. Wondering what she's doing on her own. And what she's doing without me. My imagination's running wild. Someone's about to make my baby smile. While I'm sitting here all alone. Baby single down in San Say that she's okay I swear the longer That she stays away She'll realize She just might not need me She's already gone It'd be easy to leave me For somebody new Without letting me know Baby single down in San Antonio I'm drinking double Staring at the phone Wondering what she's doing me. My imagination's running wild. Someone's about to make my baby smile while I'm sitting here all alone. Baby single down in San Antonio. While I'm sitting here all alone. Baby single down in San was the music of bluegrass legend Jimmy Bowen. Make sure you check out his music at jimmybowen.com and be sure to follow him on Facebook. And while you're at it, be sure to follow Fastline Fast Track on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Also, our Spotify playlist. Make sure you add it to your library for music from past, present, and upcoming guests of the show. 
Well, plant 2020 is drawing closer. Are you in the market for farm equipment? Make sure you make your first stop, FastLine.com. Check out the equipment locator and the price comparison tool with the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. FastLine.com. Equipment found fast. On the next episode of FastLine Fast Track, we'll have a conversation with American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duvall, and we'll hear the music of breakout country star Dylan Carmichael live from Hank Snow's legendary Rainbow Ranch in Madison, Tennessee. Until next time, it's Brent Adams saying Y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at FastLine.com. Something like that.